I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am your host, Jordan. I am mum to two beautiful little boys, Jai and Ali. I also host the Your Birth Project online hypnobirthing course and the Mini Kiwis First Aid course for parents of under five-year-olds and I have an online store attached to Your Birth Project which encompasses everything pregnancy, birth and postpartum related so just absolutely love that side of the business. I'm also a very, very passionate storyteller and a lover of all things birth so hence why I am leading you on this podcast. I'm not an advocate for any particular type of birth or model of birth care. I am simply here to hold space for this platform for you to share your beautiful stories with us all. You'll hear stories of joy, of heartbreak, of love, of loss, and each family has a different experience to share. I'm trying to bring to light stories that we often only tell in the darkest of places or to our closest of friends, but really are so important for everybody to hear. So I hope that you love the podcast of these beautiful families all over Aotearoa and I will let you jump into the podcast now. Enjoy. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales I speak with Jade and Jade takes us through her journey to her two beautiful little boys Leo and Max and it's been quite the journey. So Jade has experienced years and years of infertility, of trying to get pregnant, IVF rounds, losses. Um, she even tried to work with a surrogate to bring a baby into the world and then eventually ended up conceiving her second pregnancy naturally, which was such a huge shock. There's a huge amount of stuff that she covers in there. Um, she has hematomas throughout her pregnancy, um, she had Asherman syndrome, there were all sorts of things going on so I'll just let Jade <laughs> um, do her story justice rather than me trying to talk through it too much and I hope that you love this episode, I think it's just so important for us to talk about and I am so grateful to Jade for coming on the podcast and sharing her story with us so I hope that you enjoy. Hi Jade, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi Jordan, thank you for having me. No problem. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Yeah, so I'm Jade, Jade Hart, and um, my family, I've got little Leo, who's five. He just actually graduated from kindy the other day, which was super <laughs> so sad. Cute. But, yeah, very exciting as well. He gets yeah. to start school next year. He's super excited. And then we just had baby Max, who's um, six weeks old. And James is my husband, um, and we both work on a brand called Everblue, and we've got um, natural hair and body hair. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. I actually just brought um, <laughs> some Everblue, like, just before Jai's birthday party. I was like, oh, I need some um, soap, hand soap that looks nice in the house when people come around because we've oh, just moved. <laughs> and I had nothing else, went to the supermarket, and I was like, oh, this is so nice. So that's funny. Oh, perfect. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> we love hearing those stories. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. And do you want to take us through um, what the journey was like to pregnancy for you guys? Absolutely. So our journey has been an epically long one. <laughs> it's been 10 years of infertility. Um, basically, basically James and I are high school sweethearts and I've been with him. Like he asked me out on my 16th birthday, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Um, but we've been married 12 years and we started trying to conceive when I was 29. Um, and I just remember going off the pill and just not getting any period whatsoever. Um, and I thought it was really, really odd. I went to the doctor. She kind of, you know, checked me out. She said everything looked fine. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Um, keep trying and we'll refer you to a fertility clinic if it's over a year. So we kept trying. Nothing ever happened. And then eventually we got referred to a fertility clinic. 
and straight away they did like an internal and they diagnosed me with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was quite a shock to me. I was kind of like, what is this? Um, But yeah, it all seemed good. They were like, don't worry, we can put you on Clomid. Um, So I went on to Clomid. I actually did 10 rounds of Clomid Mm -hmm. and Letrozole. And it was super intense for me because it was like every single month I just was not getting pregnant and Mm. they would monitor me and they would say, everything's fine. You're ovulating, you know, just keep trying. Um, And if you've ever been on Clomid, it does make you a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, um, yeah, I, it was a really, really tough time because like pretty much everyone around me, all of my friends were falling pregnant with a drop Mm. of a hat, you know, they were all having their first babies and it just was not happening for us. Um, and I remember talking to one of my best friends and she was like, babe, that's not, you know, it's not, it doesn't seem right. It seems crazy. You're doing 10 rounds, like you need to push and be your own advocate. So um, I went to back to the fertility clinic and one of my other friends had told me about this thing called HSG. Yeah. So they put the um, fluid into your, your tubes and your uterus just to see if there's any abnormal like things. Um, so basically we did that and oh that was the most excruciating pain. Both of my tubes end up ended up being blocked. Yeah, so basically I just was absolutely distraught because I kind of thought, oh my God, I can't have children. Mm. I didn't realize that IVF was actually created for people who had blocked tubes. Um, so I remember talking to the lady that actually did the um, diagnosis and she was like no don't worry like you know this is exactly you'll be right at the top of the list for IVF if you've got two block tubes don't worry about it so that was quite a shock like I never in a million years thought I'd either have to go through IVF which is most people I'm sure um, so we ended up being on the wait list for IVF for about nine months and I remember it being really tricky as well because they kept on pushing me back which was Mm. apparently quite unheard of. Not many people get pushed back, but we did. Um, And so James and I actually decided we were going to pay for our own round of IVF because it was just taking too long. We didn't know if we'd get pushed back even even further. Um, And we went into the clinic, one of the clinics, and we actually signed the papers. We were about to pay And then I got a phone call when I was in the car park saying, hey, you've been approved at the other fertility clinic for a publicly funded round. So we were like, oh, my God, this is like meant to be. This is unbelievable. So we were really, really happy. Um, We went through IVF and I think I got about 16 embryos um, that turned into nine blastocysts, which Mm -hmm. are like the best quality that you can get. Um, we didn't back in, you know, back in those days, five years ago, I didn't really know about PGS testing, which was like where you can test the chromosomes. So we Mm -hmm. didn't get any of them tested. Um, the first transfer failed and I was like really heartbroken because I just thought it was going to work on the first go. I was like naive, you know, um, but the second transfer, we did a frozen transfer and it was successful. Mm. We couldn't believe it. It was unbelievable. Um, I actually remember waiting for the phone call because you just wait all day. They don't tell you a time when mm. you're when they're going to call you for IVF. And, um, yeah, you're just sitting by the phone, like, worried out of your brain, like this one phone call is going to change the rest of your life. And um, they called, and I just could not believe it. They said, you're, you're pregnant. And I was, like, overjoyed, mm. you know. Like, it took us pretty much four years to receive that phone call. Yeah. Um, So it was just like one of the most beautiful moments of my life. And um, I ended up telling James he was going to a concert that day and he was with his friend Tim and they came back in the car and I was like, oh shit, he's with Tim, you know? (laughs) Um, And I had gone and I got like a bunch of flowers and I had peed on a stick and like I said to James, come in the other room. And, um, and I just gave him the bunch of flowers and I was like, look in there and he, he was like, oh, my God, has someone died? Like, what's happening? Because I was bawling my eyes out. 
and um he was like and I said we're pregnant he was like oh my god <laughs> like jumping with joy and then he just was like can I tell Tim can I tell Tim <laughs> so he straight away went and told his like best mate um and he went off to the concert and I was just yeah overjoyed so happy and yeah. then that was quite short-lived <laughs> because at about maybe just before we actually had the scan so maybe it was like five and a half weeks I started bleeding at work and it was quite a lot of blood and I was so worried um, mm. I called the clinic and they said prepare for the worst so I basically for two days thought that I was miscarrying and I was just absolutely beside myself mm. crying I couldn't actually go into work I couldn't go into work at all um, and then James and I went to the clinic and they did a scan and it was the most beautiful moment, another most beautiful moment of my life. I saw the little flickering heartbeat and he was a little fighter and they said, you've got a subchronic hematoma. So um, sometimes in IVF that can happen. It's actually kind of common mm. and it's just where it implants, it kind of um, bleeds a little bit. So um yeah, uh, so they just said, look, we'll watch that and um, hopefully it will resolve on its own. Um, but I did have two huge bleeds after that. The first one, we went away on like a family trip and um, I picked up my niece and um, basically like it felt like I was like hemorrhaging after mm. that. It, I just bled out in the toilets and the public toilets and um it was horrible. I actually went into shock and I fell on the concrete and my oh mum had to call an ambulance and the surf life club, life club um, had to come and put like one of those like um, crazy silver things on me to warm me up. And they took me to the hospital in an ambulance. Um, we had to go to Thames, I think it was. And um, yeah, that was another scary moment. And we waited so long for them to scan me. And in the end, once again, we saw a little flicker of a heartbeat mm. and they were like, he's hanging in there. He's still there. So we were so happy. And then I went away for work. I think I had just told my boss at 12 weeks and I went away for work to Rotorua and um, I picked up, I shouldn't have been picking things up, but I picked up a box and then I just started bleeding that night and I fainted and knocked my head on oh my um, God on like a concrete um, slab that was in the room. It was like a table. And anyway, I had to go to hospital then. And like one of my colleagues had to come with me. And yeah, it was just horrendous. Anyway, in the end, it was all good. The flicker mm. and the heartbeat was still there. He was hanging on. Yeah. So that was really scary, that first trimester with Leo. I was just yeah. on edge the whole time. Yeah. And then the second trimester was incredible. I had <laughs> no, no issues like um, – it just, I got my energy back. I started to feel like this was real. It was actually going to happen. Mm. I was going to have a baby. Um, and then the third trimester was pretty, pretty great as well. He was yeah. always in the 90th percentile. Actually, he was like off the charts. Um, so <laughs> we were really worried he was going to be like over 10 pounds. Mm. Um, so my, my obstetrician was always like, look, with growth, um, he was slowing down. He was like plateauing. Um, so he was like, we'll induce you at 39 weeks. So, um, yeah, on the 29th of October, we were getting induced. We were supposed to get induced in the morning, but they called us up and we got pushed back, um, which was really frustrating because you're so mm. ready to like, you know, just do this. You're having like all these nightmares the night before and <laughs> can I do this? And um yeah, it was, we had to wait, I think, until 6 p.m. that night. And we went into Auckland City Hospital and I got induced. And um, basically we were like, okay, let's just go get some dinner. We went across the road and I got a cheese toasty. Me and James got one and just chilled out. And then basically walked back to the hospital and I started getting contractions straight away, which was great. So it was working really fast. Um so my labor was, I think, around about 18 hours, but I just did not progress. Like I mm. couldn't get past two centimeters dilated. Um, and he also, he had changed his position, Leo. And I don't know what you call it. James was saying it was like corkscrew, but I don't know if that's like a proper medical <laughs> term. 
but basically it was just really uncomfortable and he just was in the worst position to you know birth Mm. um we tried the epidural and it worked straight away I was like oh my god this is amazing I can do this and it then it wore off and they topped it up and it did not work I was Mm. in the worst pain of my life it was not working um so my obstetrician basically came in and said look we're gonna have to do a c-section and by that stage I was all for it I was ready I just wanted him to be healthy and I wanted to meet him I was exhausted and um basically I remember my midwife and and James being like okay just five minutes you know hang on in there it's Mm. just five minutes and I looked at the clock and it had been two hours of them <laughs> saying, just five minutes, just five <laughs> minutes. I was literally, I just screamed and I was like yelling and cursing at them like so much. And what had happened is um, there was another woman that had gone into labor and kind of took that space. Uh, that, yeah. um, I think they just had one room available yeah. and the other room hadn't been, you know, properly dressed or anything or set up. So I had to wait two hours and, oh, my God, it was so painful. It just felt like he was, like, coming out the other Mm. end of me. Um, But anyway, as soon as I got in that delivery room and got the spinal tap, I was away with the fairies. You know, I had already had pethidine and gas and the epidural, and then (laughs) I was having the spinal. So I was like, are we having a baby? Like, I was, like, quite, you know, away with the fairies. And um, it was amazing. So I didn't feel anything but it just felt like it was like someone was rummaging around in a purse or something Mm. you know like moving moving things um and it was pretty much like 10 minutes into it and then Leo was born Mm. and I just remember it was so amazing um my obstetrician like basically he never he was he's never a jokester never jokes (laughs) he's very to the point and that's why I love him because because of my medical history, I just wanted someone who was straight up with me and very like to the point. And mm. that, yeah, that's what he was. And he made a joke straight away when he <laughs> pulled out Leo. He was like, he's a ginger. And oh. he, and he's actually a ginger as well. Like he's got orange hair, my obstetrician. Yeah. So straight away, my silly, like, drugged up head was like, what? Did they switch the embryo? Like, what? What? Is this my baby? You know, that's the first thing I thought. And I was like, how horrible is that? The first thing that I thought was like, is this my baby? Oh my but it gosh. was the um, the iodine that they had put, you know, to cut me open. It was mm. on his head. <laughs> anyway, it was very, very crazy. And then I, I looked at him and I was just like, no, 100%. He looks like James. He looks like me. He's my baby. And as soon as I put him on my chest, like, oh, it was just the most magical feeling in the mm. entire world. So I'm going to cry. No, I'm going to cry too. Yeah, it was just like all those years of yeah. heartache and being infertile and just like the worry of the pregnancy and mm. just everything just melted away. And he was, he was here. He was my absolute miracle and it was just the most wonderful feeling in the world yeah 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 Yeah. amazing and what sort of happened from there like did you move to recovery and how were you feeling and yeah what you what happened next yeah and then um as soon as they put him on me they stitched me up I think it took maybe about 30 minutes and then they moved me straight to recovery and Leo was amazing. He latched straight away. He knew exactly where the boob was. <laughs> and um, I was really, really lucky in that regard um, that I had a really good milk supply. And, yeah, he latched re- really well. There was um, – yeah, he was really good at latching, but there was a few issues. And then we found out later um, – I was in hospital for five nights and then I went to birth care for two nights and at birth care they found out that he had a tongue tie so they just had to cut his tongue which was yeah a little bit traumatic when you're like a first-time mum you're kind of like oh um they just cut it without like you know sedating them or any which is great You, you know you don't want your baby having drugs but yeah it was a little bit traumatic and um after that he was like brilliant at feeding so yeah, we were really lucky in that regard. Yeah, yeah, 
Cool. And what happened from there? Like how long did you spend in the hospital and how did you find going home and you're a new mum and yeah, what was that whole experience like? Yeah, so we spent five nights in the hospital because it ended up being an emergency C-section. Yeah, it was quite a hard recovery. I didn't really know what to expect Mm. with a C-section because I was trying to, you know, have a natural birth. Um, But I just remember my legs feeling like absolute cement for days and Mm. they were trying to get me up out of bed and, like, push me to go for walks. But it was really, really tough. And, like, the catheter was, like, one of the worst things as well, (laughs) which most women will tell you about. Um, But... Yeah, after about three days, I started feeling like much better and I was kind of ready to to move on to birth care. And we went to birth care for two nights and yeah, they were incredible there. Like as a first time mum, I would definitely recommend going there because Mm. I had no idea. Me and James had no idea what we were doing and they just helped us, you know, with the nappies, the feeding, everything. Um, And it was a super scary moment when we got to leave because, um, yeah, you just have so much responsibility and this precious little thing in your car that you're like, oh, my God, are we ready to actually, you know, drive Mm. away? And, like, someone's let us loose with this baby. Like, what do we do? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it just all came natural. Um, I remember bringing him home and, like, we had two little dogs at the time, Brian and Poppy, and they just were, like, like, absolutely in love with him straight away they're trying to lick him which was very cute he was already part of the family and um yeah it was really bliss for me I did not mind waking up you know all those times in the night because Mm. I just had dreamed for so long of having a child of my own that I just every single moment I know people say you know cherish every moment and blah 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 blah, all that stuff but Mm. I truthfully did with Leo I was just like I couldn't believe it every every morning I'd just pinch myself and be like is this real I, I honestly did it you know yeah yeah amazing it's so nice and it's just like I don't know I mean I can't even imagine what it feels like to try for all those years to have a baby and then he's finally here and you're just like living your dream sort of as a mother. I think that's just so beautiful. Absolutely. It's just yeah. surreal. It feels so surreal. So yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome. And I guess um, how was your, like I know you sort of say that you're trying to enjoy sort of every moment of um, being a parent, but how was your mental health um, through that postpartum journey? And obviously um, I can imagine that infertility had an impact on your mental health at, at different times. So once he was here and, you know, you've got all the postpartum hormones going on and everything like that, what was your mental health like? Um, yeah. What to was be it honest, like then? My, mental, my mental health was like really great because previously my mental health with infertility was not good. Yeah. Um, you know, like I was going to counseling and I was trying to kind of just see if, you know, I'd be okay with being childless and like mm. just, it was just really super, super tough. Like yeah, yeah. it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through is infertility. Yeah. And um, yeah, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. Honestly, it's, just horrendous when I had just such a maternal drive like Mm. I just felt like that was my purpose in life to be a mother I'd always wanted to be a mom like yes business is important and like I'm still very ambitious but I I just wanted to be a mother and that's that's like the majority of people feel that way so you know when that is kind of taken away from you or you think Mm. possibly that might not happen it's just harrowing so Mm. my mental health was not good during those first four years but after um having leo i actually was really great i didn't Mm. have postpartum depression or you know i was really really lucky like that i feel like i was just so blessed to have him that i just kept in that mindset yeah um and i know that you can't help your mindset when you have anything like that i was Mm. just yeah very blessed not to go through that yeah yeah awesome Cool. And in terms of when, or did you think that you wanted to have more than one baby or were you just sort of happy with one? And did you think you would have to do the same IVF process again if you did want to have another baby? Do you want to talk us through 
your initial thoughts there? Yeah, so James and I had always spoken about having two children. We always wanted two kids. So it was just like because we had gone through IVF and we had nine embryos at the start on ice, we um, we just thought, yeah, you know, this is going to be easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little did we know, honestly, so naive. Um, yeah, so Leo was about one when we decided truly that we would start again, you know, start trying for a second baby. Yeah. Um, and basically we had seven embryos on ice at that stage. Um and we just thought, yep, let's go. So we tried. Um, we went through IVF, did, you know, tried to do a couple of transfers. We actually lost a couple of embryos to the Thor, which can mm-hmm. happen. Apparently it's quite rare, but we actually lost two at, at the same time, which was quite um, distressing as well. But we had so many embryos, we thought, oh, my God, we're fine, you know, like let's just go with the mm-hmm. next transfer. Um, so a couple of transfers failed as well, which was really hard emotionally, mm-hmm. but we just carried on. Um, and then we were super excited. It was actually Valentine's Day when I found out and I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And we were like, yay, this is amazing. Like, this is fantastic. It was easy, you know. Um, but Unfortunately, that actually ended in a miscarriage. Um, we went and got a scan and they couldn't see a heartbeat, which was absolutely, yeah, horrible. Mm-hmm. One of the worst, worst moments of my life, you know. It's just you never think miscarriage will ever kind of happen to you. You hear about mm-hmm. it, but you don't truly know how it feels unless you've been in that position. And it's one of the worst things. I mean, losing your baby mm. is just, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, so that resulted in a miscarriage. And then I was managed by the women's um, assessment unit. And basically they were like, you can ha- either try DNC or you can try the, um, the medicine. Um, and basically we tried the medicine and it didn't really work for me. It didn't, you know, clear everything out. Mm. Basically they just said you can either have a DNC or you can try the medication. And I tried the medication and it didn't really work. Um, and so it took actually like five months, which was terrible. I was waiting for my HSG to go down and it just didn't, didn't go down. And so they were like, right, we've got, we've got to get you in for an emergency DNC. So I had the DNC and then I woke up and I was in the most excruciating pain. It was so painful and the morphine just was not touching the sides. It just mm-hmm. wouldn't, wouldn't work. And um, I knew something was up, but the doctors and nurses and everything said, this is very, you know, you know, we do this all the time. It's very common. Um, you shouldn't be in this much pain. And I thought mm. it was really odd. But basically, we found out when we were trying to go through IVF again that I had this very rare, well, supposedly it's rare, but it's actually not too rare. It's called Asherman syndrome. And it's where the scar tissue adheres to each other. So basically, from my DNC, they had scraped so hard. And it was, and it's because of my uterus, like, maybe it's really sticky. Mm. Um, They scraped so hard that it all adhered to each other. Mm. And my uterus was the size of an almond, they said. So it was so painful. And any time your period would come, it would be super, super painful because Mm. the blood couldn't get out and you'd be all bloated. And yeah, it was horrible. And um, basically they were like, you're going to have to have surgery to repair that so Mm. I found a really amazing surgeon and I finally got booked in maybe six months later um and she had to do an MRI because she couldn't even get the uh like the um instruments in Mm. to my uterus because it was so scarred so badly scarred um I think I was like 80% scarred so that was just terrible because after all the infertility and the miscarriage and everything now I had Asherman syndrome so I had to deal with that but the great news is she eventually cleared me I had two surgeries and I had to go on like hormones and wait six months and then um, we tried again Hmm. and 
basically in the end, I ended up having two more miscarriages after that. And um, I had a DNC for both of them because of the the medication wouldn't mm. work, unfortunately. And on the third miscarriage, um, that I had a thing called a myoshore instead of a DNC. And unfortunately, we think that that created a uterine AVM, which is basically very, very super, super rare, like mm. 0.1% people get it. And it's a nicked artery and vein. And basically, I uh, I bled for six months. So oh God, you poor after that, I was just like, oh, my God, this mm. is like, you know, is God trying to tell me or like is someone trying to tell me I shouldn't have any other kids? Like what's happening? I was like just, yeah, my mental health was not good at all. I was just, everyone around me was having their second, third children, completing their families, and we were just still trying. And I was going through all these harrowing miscarriages and it was just horrible. Mm. Uh, Yeah, it was horrible. I was ready to give up. And then my fertility clinic mentioned the word surrogacy. And initially I kind of was in shock and I was like, oh God, I never in a million years would have ever thought of surrogacy. Just like Mm. IVF, I would have never thought of that. And then the more I started to think about it, I was kind of more open to it. And um, in the end, I ended up sending a message on Messenger. I put it together to just a very close-knit group of girlfriends that I could trust. And I ended up getting James to send it because I was too scared. I was (laughs) like, oh, my God, I'm being so vulnerable. And, like, I'm asking the impossible of people. Um, But I did think look, if you don't ask, you never receive, like you've just got to give it a go. If everyone says no, then you Mm. move on with life. You know, you've got beautiful Leo, you've just got to try. So anyway, he hit send. And then I got all these beautiful messages from my girlfriend saying, Hey, you know, we're so sorry. This is horrible, but I haven't completed my family or, you know, this isn't something I think I could do, but Mm. best of luck and all these beautiful messages. And I started being like, Oh God, I'm so scared. Why did I send it? But then I got this amazing message from a girlfriend of mine called Abby and she, I've known her since I was 11 and I went to intermediate school with her and mm-hmm. um, we also went to high school together and she has three beautiful children. And at the time she had little Andre who was only six weeks old mm-hmm. and she said, Hey, I would love to talk to you more about this. And I didn't want to get excited. Um, but I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Mm. So we basically spoke for a year about surrogacy and what it entailed. And we both did our research and kind of talked to the fertility clinic about everything we would need to go through. Um, And it took another two years to go through that surrogacy process. So, oh, sorry. No, it was pretty much, it took two years all up. So a year of talking about it and then another year we had to go through um, vigorous like counseling sessions with each other, mm. with our partners and all together. We had to do like um, medical tests. We had to, um, yeah, we had to do police checks. It was like really intense. And we went through ECART as well, which is the ethics committee. And they yeah. had to approve us. And um, we were really, really lucky and we got approved. I only at this time had two embryos left and I sent them off to get genetically tested. So PGS tested and one came back as a mosaic, which is kind of a gray area in IVF where they don't know if the chromosomes, well, the chromosomes aren't actually all there and Mm -hmm. sometimes they can correct themselves and sometimes they can't and they don't let you use those in surrogacy. And the other um, embryo came back and it was PGS normal, which was amazing. So we were like, great, we can use our last embryo on Abby. So we finally got to the day where we transferred the embryo and that um, was all great. And we honestly spoke about like how our kids were going to be best friends, how Mm. she was going to be pregnant. She was going to write a book. Like it was just, yeah, we just thought, it would happen a hundred percent. It would happen. She'd had yeah. three beautiful kids. Why wouldn't it happen? Anyway, 
we waited for that dreaded like two week wait and we got the phone call and my heart just sank. It didn't work. It just didn't work. And I had to call Abby and tell her and it was just absolutely heartbreaking Mm -hmm. because she like, I had just bonded with her so much. She was like my absolute rock through all of this. And, um, yeah, it was, she was just as upset as I was, to Mm -hmm. be honest, we were just bawling our eyes out. Um, and I just remember my husband's 40th birthday was like a week later and I had to just like, you know, get to that party and like Mm. try and put on a brave face and I got it, got my hair done, got my makeup done, got like a a bright pink dress and just tried to pretend for one night that, you know, everything was okay. And just for James, because he's been my absolute rock through this whole thing. And then I remember the next day, Abby calling James and being like, Hey, I've spoken to Matt, who was her husband. And she was like, this isn't over. If you guys want to do another round of IVF, we're more than happy, you know, Mm. to give it a go. And James called me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And I was actually at the counsellors <laughs> at that time. Yeah. Um, and he said, hey, I'm keen if you are. And I was just jumping for joy. Like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God. Yes, yeah. let's do it. I don't care about the money. Let's just do it. Um, so we jumped straight into another round of IBF. And we ended up getting, I think it was 17 fertilized eggs. And then in the end, it turned out to be five blastocysts. And then we got those PGS tested and we ended up having two, two normal embryos. So we were like, oh my God, this is it. It's totally going to work because me, I'm such a, such a stat person. I always like look up stats and if you have three PGS normal embryos, you have like a 98% chance of having a live baby. So I just always thought it was going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so we tried the next transfer and it worked. We could not believe it. I was at Abby's house. She peed on a stick. We were like too scared to look <laughs> at it. And um, I like took a glimpse and I was like, oh my God, is it actually, oh my God, it's two pink lines. It is. And we were just jumping for joy. We were so excited. It was like unbelievable. Mm. We were pregnant. And then that was very short lived because a week later, I just heard a knock at my door and it was Abby and I was so excited to see her, but I just, her demeanor was just so low. Mm. I knew something was wrong and it would have been one of the most horrible things she would would have ever had to do in her life. And she had to come in and tell me that she thinks that she is miscarrying. Mm. So she basically started bleeding and she took another test and, uh, the test came back negative. Mm. And so they call it a chemical pregnancy, um, but uh, I hate I hate that term, yeah. but basically it was a miscarriage. So yeah. that was just, once again, horrendous, and my mental health took a really bad yeah. hit with that one. I just pretty much couldn't get out of bed. I was like, you know, why does it keep happening to us? Like, I just couldn't believe our story and just felt mm. very sorry for myself. Yeah, um, yeah. But I knew we had one le- one more shot, one very last shot at having a sibling for Leo. Leo always wanted a sibling ever since he could talk. He was always like, mummy, mm. I want a brother or a sister. Um, and he had this little doll that he just took around everywhere with him. Um, which was super, super hard for me going through all those miscarriages because mm. he'd always be like, where's baby, where's baby? And, yeah, it was really hard. Anyway, um, Abby, it was like Christmas. It was leading up to Christmas, and Abby was like, let's go ahead. I want to go ahead straight away with this one, this last one. 
and I was very hesitant. I like had a very guarded heart at mm. that time. And I just knew like, oh my God, we're going to find out around Christmas and New Year's. And it's just going to like be the hardest thing ever if it doesn't work. But I knew that she was ready to go and she kind of was like, you know, I didn't want to put her off and be like, oh my God, she Mm. might never want to do it again. So I just spoke to James and we were just like, look, we've just got to forge ahead. Let's do it. So we went for the last transfer and um, yeah, I was really super scared, but we were trying to stay as positive as possible. And um, yeah, once again, we found out after the two-week wait, we were pregnant. And so we were super excited. And I had looked up, like, what are the chances of having another miscarriage mm. or another chemical after, another, you know, um, one after the other, a consecutive miscarriage? And it's, like, quite low. So I felt really good about it. And we were celebrating. We were super happy. Um, but I said to her, cause I think we were finding out pretty much on New Year's, like the day before New Year's, I said to her, um, yeah, you do your blood test, but maybe just tell me after New Year's because <laughs> yeah. I was so scared. I was like, I didn't want to know. Yeah. And so she was like, yeah, that's totally fine. I'll find out and I'll just call you after New Year's and I'll let you know what's happened. And I was like, okay, I just couldn't bear the thought of like, finding out just Mm. before New Year's and like you know I wanted to have a nice holiday with my family and like I don't know I was just super scared and then I hadn't heard from her at all and I kind of like my mind was racing like oh my god did it work did it not work you know little did I know my terrible husband had bloody spoken to her because he couldn't wait to find out and she had told him it didn't work uh sorry that she was miscarrying again so mm. she was miscarrying for the second time. Um, and basically we drove back home from Wangamata and it was raining. It was like, I just remember it was like torrential rain. And I just had this awful feeling. I just knew, I just knew it wasn't good because mm. I thought if, if she was pregnant, she would have called me surely, you know, like anyway, I remember the phone call and her telling me, you know, she was miscarrying again, that her HSG had dropped and it was torrential rain outside. And I just was like, it was absolutely harrowing Mm. because I I just wanted this baby so bad. We had tried everything, you know, we, it was once again, like four years of our life, just absolutely put into the second child Mm. and that was my last shot that was it like I Mm. couldn't get pregnant naturally I had blocked tubes I couldn't try again and I think that was just like the hardest one of the hardest moments of my life is just also bringing Abby into this horrible infertility you know this group that you just don't ever want to be a part of Um, so I did, my mental health was really, really bad after that. I spiraled into like quite a deep depression. Um, I found this amazing counselor years ago and she's honestly helped me, um, so much. She deals with like infertility and pregnancy loss. Um, but I just could not get out of bed for like a week and, um, it was summertime and Mm -hmm. like, I just felt like the worst mother to Leo and the worst partner to James. And he just wanted his wife back. And I just felt like a terrible friend. It was affecting absolutely everything Mm -hmm. in my life, my family, my friends, my finances, just everything. Um, so it was horrendous and, I just had to get myself back into a good place. I And I honestly, truthfully believe the online community of like IBF girls and surrogacy girls really, really helped me. And so did my counselor. Mm. So I came to a conclusion of like, look, your life is great. You've got a great life. You, you've got your miracle baby. You have Leo. Just please be happy. You know, like I think when you're in it, you can't see it. You can't see the wood through the trees, you know, like you, I was going through all these miscarriages. I went through five 
it was just harrowing. But then it was kind of like a relief, like, okay, you don't have to go through any of that heartbreak anymore. You can just get on with your life. Just enjoy Leo. Absolutely treat him like a little prince and give him everything he needs. And yeah, so I got myself into that mindset and I always had this hole in my heart. Like I definitely knew it would be there forever because I've spoken to some of my like mum's friends who have gone through similar kind of situations where they couldn't have their second child. And they're like, no, I still, I still feel like that today. Mm. So um, basically I just knew I'd always live with a hole in my heart, but the craziest thing happened. (laughs) And two months after the surrogacy not working, I started feeling really weird symptoms. Like my boobs were huge and I was like, what is going on? This is really weird. And I was like, why do you do this to yourself, Jade? Hmm. And um, I was like, what you can't get pregnant what are you doing and I went to the chemist and I just sillily bought some pregnancy tests went home and lo and behold <laughs> I saw these two pink lines and I just could not believe it oh like my gosh after all of that I was pregnant but my silly mind was like oh no it's something else like it's still like a baby in my belly that, you know, like I just thought of all these crazy scenarios of like Mm. why it would come up pink. So I went to the doctor and um, I didn't tell James at all any of this. (laughs) And I went to the doctor and um, she confirmed I was actually pregnant. I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. I told James and he was just, the, the look on his face was like complete fear like just fear like we don't want to go through any of the shit again like is it real Mm -hmm. like even if you can get pregnant can you carry this baby like you know we just were so scared so basically um what happened uh yeah so we found out we were pregnant hadn't had the scan or anything yet I was giving Leo a bath and I picked him up and he's super heavy. He's like, you know, he was four at the time, mm-hmm. picked him up and I just felt this absolute massive gush of blood. And I was like, oh my God, here we go again. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm miscarrying and went to the bathroom. Yep. A whole lot of blood. And I said, James, look, let's go to the hospital. And so my parents came, looked after Leo. We went to the hospital and like, you know, we just, thought that's it you know here it's going again it's happening again um and we waited quite a while and then they did a scan and they could see that the embryo was in the correct place in my uterus so it wasn't an ectopic which is great and they thought hey I think you've got another subchronic hematoma And so I was like over the moon because Mm. I knew, wow, there was a heartbeat. There was a little embryo in there and I had that with Leo. So I was like, okay, great. You know, I can handle this. And they um, sent me to the woman's assessment unit the next morning and we got a scan and they confirmed it was a subchronic hematoma. And we were just over the moon. We were so excited, but they told us it was very large and they said that we had a 50, 50% chance of like keeping or losing the baby. So once again, it was just like, we were Mm. on tender hooks, like on eggshells the whole time in the first trimester. I was super, super sick. So I was never really sick with Leo. I had a bit of nausea, but with this Bubba, I I swear I thought it was a girl or something (laughs) because I was puking like three times a day. I was dizzy. I was like bedridden. It was horrendous. I was like starting a business at the same time. We were starting mm-hmm. Everblue and I was like on Zoom calls and I'd have to be like, oh, sorry, um, I had a technical difficulty because I had to hang up and go puke. <laughs> <laughs> it was so horrendous, but mm-hmm. I didn't care. Like, obviously I was like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I don't care, but it was still super hard. Yeah. Um, and then we finally got to our 20-week scan and the hematoma had corrected itself. It had oh, gone. Wow. So we were over the moon and, uh, sorry, that was my 12-week scan that yeah. I found out that uh, the hematoma had yeah, disappeared, which we were so happy with. And um, we did the NIP test 
and we found out that there was nothing wrong with baby and that we were having a boy (laughs) and I was so overjoyed I didn't care if I was having a girl or a boy I was just like oh my god my miracle child Mm. just so happy um and then at our everything started to to go right from then and then we had our 20 week scan and we got told that we could potentially have this thing called a placenta accretia which is where the placenta um kind of grows into your uterus wall and it's quite scary it's quite rare and it's um can be life-threatening if they don't know about it Mm -hmm. um but it's just when they take the placenta out you can hemorrhage so they just need to be aware um so we were kind of like oh god nothing ever (laughs) ever is smooth sailing with us um, but that's why I had my amazing obstetrician and he just, yeah, we got that package where we could have as many scans as possible. And then we kept getting scans and each time they were saying, oh, we don't think you actually have placenta accretion. It doesn't look like you do. Um, and then by the last scan, they were like, no, we're pretty much 99% sure you don't have placenta accretion. So I, I was really happy. Like I was going in we had to have a C-section booked because I was high risk and because of my past history mm. with the UV, ABM, um, the Asherman syndrome, and because I'd already had a C-section. So I was going into that quite relieved, like, okay, great, nothing bad's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, he, little Max was booked in for a C-section on the 27th of October and we went to hospital at around 11 a.m. and we went into the um, C-section room where I delivered at about 2 p.m. Um, and it was really cool. My obstetrician said to me, hey, since it's scheduled, you can put together a playlist, which <laughs> I thought was really cool. I just put like all my favorite songs kind of like that would be really nice to give birth to. Um, and I remember listening to each song, you know, like I was kind of counting, okay, we'll probably, cause we got told he'll come at around 10 minutes after they start. Um, so I was trying to plan when he would come out and what song he'd come out on, but it didn't kind of go to plan of course, but he came out on Hey Jude, which was quite cool. <laughs> so I always remember that Beatles song for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, the C-section went really well. Um, I just was super scared again that I thought like I would be able to feel it and Mm. yeah at the start I was like oh I can't even feel it have you guys started and they had started which was great I got my spinal and they put two IV drips in me because they said they kind of said you're high risk you know you might bleed out and we might have to give you a blood transfusion if that happens so I kind of was aware of that um and uh, I wasn't really scared about that. I was more scared about feeling it for some mm. weird reason that was just in my mind. And anyway, Max was finally born on Hey Jude and my obstetrician did this weird little cute kind of wave motion with him. He was like waving at me when he pulled him out and it was unbelievable. I was just sobbing like a baby because all those years once again of like everything we had been through and four years again there's no Mm. way you know I never thought it would take that long um it was just incredible and I finally held him for the first time and Mm. it was just unbelievable and he was just absolutely perfect and I couldn't have asked for anything more Mm. it was just incredible (laughs) um and then they started stitching me up and I started feeling the actual incision which was Mm. super scary and so they just had to keep topping me up with drugs um which was not nice when you're kind of like trying to look at your newborn baby and you're getting a bit you know wasted Mm. (laughs) but um but I didn't care so long as he was safe I was I was just happy and um yeah finally they got the pain under control and I couldn't feel it anymore and they wheeled me into recovery because of COVID, James couldn't come into recovery. He just waited in the ward. And um, it was quite cool. I remember having a nurse called Rose. And my dad, two days prior to my C-section, had had a major heart attack. Oh, and he was in the hospital at the same time as me. And 
the significance of my nurse being called Rose, um, his mother is called Rose and he just like had like this really beautiful relationship with his mum. So I just remember thinking, oh my God, that's like super special, you know, yeah. that my nurse is called Rose. Yeah. And my dad is absolutely totally fine now. Thank God they put a stent in his heart. Um, but we were just like, you better hang on in there for Max. <laughs> he needs to like meet his popper, you know. And he hung in, he hung on in there, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then once again, Max was amazing at feeding, just like Leo. He went straight to the boob. I had a really great milk supply and um, we stayed in the hospital for three nights. And then we went to birth care just for, um, on, no, mate, we were in the hospital for four nights and then we went to birth care for two, oh, two nights, sorry. I'll say that again. We were in the hospital for four nights and then we were in birth care for two nights. And James was actually allowed in the hospital, which was great um, because of COVID, you know, the whole scare. I was really worried that he, I had heard horror stories that the, you know, partners weren't allowed to stay. Um, but we were really lucky he was allowed to stay. And then at birth care, he was allowed to stay as well and he wasn't allowed to leave. But that was, yeah just amazing being a family the, mm -hmm. the hardest part was actually Leo not being able to be there because with Leo obviously I had lots of people visiting which I actually loved I loved that but with Max um, you didn't get any of that which was kind of like nice in a way because you, you're in your own bubble but the hardest thing was Leo not being able to meet his brother that he'd like wanted yeah. to meet for the, you know, for so long. Yeah. And the worst was it was his fifth birthday. So we were in hospital on Leo's fifth birthday. And so luckily we had had his, his party prior to that. But um, yeah, my sister was awesome. She made like a massive deal of it. And we actually, I don't know if we'll get into trouble for doing this, but we <laughs> met him in the domain. We're just like on the way and we're outside. We just met him in the domain so he could have a little glimpse of his brother. And it was just absolutely beautiful. I was so happy. And mm. yeah, the whole family all just had a little glimpse of him. <laughs> and then we went to, to birth care. So it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And how were you feeling? Like you're obviously recovering from a C-section and um, just such another huge journey to get to this point. So, yeah, how were you feeling? I was feeling really good. I am, um, yeah, I mean, I just felt like the recovery was going to be a whole lot easier this time because it was a scheduled C-section. The first, you know, my first birth with Leo, I was – I went through 18 hours of labor and then mm. an emergency C-section. This was like a scheduled C. So I already, I felt like way lighter in my legs and like I could get up and move. And I felt really, really good. Like I felt like the recovery would be great, but little did I know what was about to happen. <laughs> yeah. And so do you want to take us through what happened next? Yeah. So, um, it was absolute bliss for like a, a week. We had bought little Max home and we had just moved into a new house and it was just amazing. Um, obviously, he was still waking every two hours, but I didn't care. It was just uh, incredible. Um, but one night we were having dinner and I got up and I just felt this gush of blood trickling down my leg, trickling or gushing down my leg. And I freaked out, ran to the bathroom and just clots of blood like this is really gross but they were coming out mm. in the toilet and I started to break out and I called my obstetrician straight away and I yelled out to James you know and he was like oh okay um just monitor the bleeding but if it gets worse call me back mm. and he was like go have a shower you know just monitor it so I went and had a shower and as soon as I got in the shower, just so much blood came out. And like the size of my hand, a blood clot came out mm. and it just kept coming. And I just freaked out and I said, James, call an ambulance. And he called an ambulance and he called my obstetrician back as well and said, hey, this is what's happening. And he said, yep, get to the, get to Auckland City Hospital, you know, get the ambulance. So um, I was in the most excruciating pain. Um, James had to lie me down on the floor and I was naked with a towel over me and I was holding the handrail 
Um, and he had to put a towel underneath me to try and stop the bleeding. And they told him over the phone, the paramedics said, try and massage her stomach to stop the bleeding. Mm. And I just had my C-section a week ago and it was the most mm. excruciating oh. pain. I was screaming. I had to get like a towel and just clamp my, you know, my mouth around it. It was so excruciating and I felt so sorry for James because he had to like put me through all this pain and he knew he had to do it, but he was like trying not to do it so hard. And yeah, it was just absolutely awful. And poor Leo was kind of watching this. So I ha- we had to call my parents and be like, hey, can you come over? Like we're getting an ambulance. Anyway, the ambulance, the paramedics finally arrived. And the craziest thing is like I spoke to you about my dad having the heart attack they were the same paramedics that actually oh, wow. saved my dad's life, which was unbelievable. Anyway, my mum recognized them and was like, oh, my goodness. Anyway, that was just really crazy. Um, and they put me in a chair and they said, okay, we're going to give you some painkillers and we'll just wait to see if the pain goes away. Um, so we waited a while. It, it seemed like forever for me and I just was in the most excruciating pain. Mm. It felt like labor again. It was, but worse, it was so excruciating and it just wasn't going away. And I was really, really worried. Like everything was going through my head. Like, you know, am I going to be okay? Mm. What if I get mastitis? Like if I'm away from Max, like will I be able to breastfeed after this? If they give me drugs, like I just, will I die? Like all these horrible Mm. thoughts going through my mind. Um, And my sister turned up and she actually gave me Max and like put Max on the boob just so that he could breastfeed before I went in the ambulance. And that was just like super emotional for me because I was like, whoa, I've gone through so much to have this child. And then like, I just don't want to not be able to breastfeed. And like, what if I die? Like I just, Mm. yeah, had this awful feeling. Anyway, they took me in the ambulance and they actually weren't that concerned about my bleeding they said oh you'll probably go home tonight you know like you'll be back with Max and I just knew in the back of my head I was like I don't think that that is the case like I just knew it was worse than what they were kind of making out so I went to the emergency department and they still didn't think that the bleeding was that bad and they they just got me to wait in the room for a while and until we saw the um the gynecologist and we finally saw the specialist team and she so anyway she checked me um and basically James said the most massive gush of blood Mm. just like came out and I could feel it all over my legs and I looked at James's face and I knew something was seriously wrong and she was like, oh, my God, you're you've got to go into surgery straight away. This is really bad. Uh, you're hemorrhaging. So there's two options. There's gonna, we're going to try and either put a balloon in you to stop the bleeding or you're going to have to have a full hysterectomy. And she said, we'll put you under and you're not going to know until you wake up, but mm-hmm. you've got to sign these forms. And I was just like, oh, my God, 100%. Like, I've got my babies. I, I, you know, if I have to have a mm-hmm. hysterectomy, that's fine. Like I obviously didn't want that because I'd only just like reclaimed my fertility. Yeah, you know, yeah. I didn't even know I could get pregnant. Um, but I kind of just still wanted the option yeah. and I would never, ever, I don't think ever have another child after everything mm-hmm. I've been through, but I still just didn't want to get rid of my uterus. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, signed my life away. And then I woke up and oh, they wheeled me into the room and it was really crazy because basically I had been in the exact same room a week before having mm. Max mm-hmm. and I looked at the stereo for where Hey Jude was playing and I just remember being like whoa how has this happened this is mm. crazy this is insane and then I woke up I remember waking up and the first thing I said was did I have to have a hysterectomy? Mm. And my nurse, who was funnily enough, also called Rose as well. Mm. Wow. So weird. Yeah. Um, she said, unfortunately, yes, you did have to have a hysterectomy. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was quite emotional. But even though I knew, like, 
I was done with babies and I had yeah. my perfect babies, it was still like quite a shock, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was really, really tough. I was in the hospital for five nights and I was away from Max. I had to pump day and night. Um, and my amazing family, James's parents, my parents, my mm. sister, everyone took shifts with Max and they sent me videos and James made sure that, you know, he took the breast milk home and everyone was just unbelievable. And they looked after my little babies, both of them. And um, I was in hospital and it was really, really quite a tough recovery. Like I was in so much pain and they couldn't get on top of the pain. And um, yeah, I had to have like an internal scan because I was really just in so much pain, but that turned out to be fine. And yeah, so yeah, it's been a tough road and it's been six weeks now since I had Max and yeah. then five weeks since the hysterectomy and I'm only just feeling like myself again a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I also got an, an infection on my incision. So a week oh, ago, gosh. I had to take antibiotics to clear those up. But now I am feeling like, oh, my God, the worst is over. I can enjoy little Max and Mm. enjoy Leo. And, yeah, and I bet infertility. We bet infertility, which is, like, the best feeling in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's so amazing. But, God, what a journey that you've been on. Sorry, I have talked for so long. No, no, no. (laughs) You just have so much to share. And I just, yeah, I think – I know that there will be people out there that relate to your story in one way or another. And I just think it's so important to share, but God, you're just like, I hope that you get a break from everything now and you just get to enjoy your beautiful baby. And I will. And I've got to, and I deserve it. Right. So do. So do. <laughs> yeah. And we just got the um, histology results and it did turn out that I did have placenta accretion. Oh, okay. So apparently it's super, extremely rare um, that you bleed a week after the C-section. Usually it happens within 24 to 48 hours. Right. So my obstetrician was like, you're the first case in 22 years of me doing this oh, that wow. that has ever happened. So, yeah, I'm always the rare 1%, but I was the 1% <laughs> that got pregnant with Max. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. all worked out for the best. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Jade, for coming on the podcast and sharing your journey with us. I'm just so glad that you've got those two beautiful boys of yours and that you're healthy and yeah, now you can just enjoy your family. And I just, yeah, I'm so grateful that you're willing to come on the podcast and share with us. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jordan. Yeah. If I can just help even just one person with, you know, going through infertility or fertility, um, you know, issues, then I've done my job. I just, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I will be having a break next week, um, just between Christmas and New Year. So there won't be a new episode until 2022, which is just crazy. But um, yeah, I'm super grateful that you tune in every week and you listen to these episodes. And I really just hope that you find whatever it is you need in each episode so I will look forward to sharing another beautiful episode with you in 2022 have a lovely Christmas and a beautiful new year hi I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.